And what's happening right now with AI and what's going to continue to happen is that information is not going to be a differentiator anymore. Right now, what ChatGPT and all these other AI things are going to do is they're going to aggregate the information for us already. So we can just read it right on the ChatGPT platform. We don't have to click on someone else's blog or website to read an article that they wrote. What that means for us as individual people is that we are going to become trust filters for people. The personal brands and the experts, we have to work really hard at becoming a trust filter for our audiences. This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. Super excited about today's convo about all things personal branding and how AI tools are changing how people market. And I want to welcome my dear friend, Mike Kim. He believes that marketing isn't about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. And this refreshing approach has made him a sought after speaker, online educator, and brand strategist. He is also author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, You Are the Brand. And nowadays, you'll find Mike looking for the next great place to scuba dive, all while coaching, serving clients, and recording his top-ranked podcast, You Are the Brand. Mike? Welcome to the show. Dude, thank you for having me. I'm super pumped to be here and I am a real person. <laughs> Excited to be here, man. Yeah, I'd love to start with your thoughts on ChatGPT and why it makes building a personal brand and communities even more important because I'm pretty sure you agree that AI has really changed marketing pretty rapidly. So I'd like to hear your take on this. Yeah, if you really think about a personal brand, let's start there with what that means, what I mean by that. A personal brand, that term gets thrown around a lot these days. And what I mean by it is that it's an identity based on your expertise, your reputation, your ideas, and your personality, right? In no particular order. But all four of them are really important. And what's happening right now with AI and what's going to continue to happen is that information is not going to be a differentiator anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Right, because we just type stuff into Google the way things are working right now with Google is and have for the last 20 years is that people type something into Google and Google was more like just a friend who knew somebody. It's like, do you know anyone who knows anything about this? And it was almost like a New Jersey mobster. Hey, you know a guy? I know a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> and that's how Google was. Google didn't really tell you anything. Now what ChatGPT and all these other AI things are going to do is they're going to aggregate the information for us already. So we can just read it right on the ChatGPT platform. We don't have to click on someone else's blog or website to read an article that they wrote. And that's where I think the big AI war is headed, right, between these two entities. But what that means for us as individual people, experts in whatever particular field we're in, informational content won't be as much of a differentiator, right? People are going to be able to find out what they need to know without you. So what I actually think, and this is a little bit of a different spin on it, is that our use, our value as personal brands, as experts in our industry, is that we are going to become trust filters for people. It's one thing to read output on ChatGPT and then just do what it says, <laughs> but we don't know who's saying what it says. So I think the personal brands and the experts, we have to work really hard at becoming a trust filter 
for our audiences. We have to continue to build our audience. We have to earn trust. We have to become trusted by those people. And then we can make the recommendations that we need because the people will always want to learn from people. That's really important. We can just start there. I just don't think informational content will be as much of a differentiator anymore. And we have to build trust. And that's really the currency that's going to be important. In fact, trust has probably always been the currency. It has maybe been obfuscated that people think content marketing is a game. But if you really think about it, why are you content marketing is to make yourself the authority to build trust. And the faster you build trust, the faster your business will grow because people have options. And as you said, you're now a trust filter. And I personally believe video is a big part of it. People need to see that you're human. A lot of the nonverbal communication isn't even worse, right? So to your point that content marketing and information is not the primary thing that is driving people's decision. It's really about how, what do I think about this person? How does this recommendation make more sense for me? Where's the nuance in all of this? Piggybacking on that, video is, so. if you think about what happened post-pandemic, a lot more people are staying home. A lot more people are working from home. They become accustomed to that lifestyle. I remember when I started my podcast in 2014, almost 10 years ago, is <laughs> outrageous. And the podcast gurus at the time and the guys that I learned from were adamantly opposed to video. I wish I didn't listen to them. I wish I built my YouTube channel way 10 years ago because they were saying a podcast, people can do other things while they're listening to a podcast. They can drive to work. They can go to the gym, all of those things. And yeah, that's fine. But what's happened in the last 10 years? The smartphone has just gotten better and better and better. Remember we had data plans on our smartphones? Oh, yeah. We used to have data plans and like you'd have to be careful how much data you're using, like how much you were streaming. Now you can download a movie from Netflix in a matter of minutes. And so this idea that like video doesn't work, absolutely ridiculous. People are watching videos while they're waiting for the, to board the airplane. They're watching videos and leaving it on the treadmill while they're working out. And it's why TikTok and Instagram, like these short form videos are so important because that's what people are doing. Yeah, I agree. People have to be able to see you. They have to be able to sense your movements, like non-auditory communication. It's all there, all important in building trust. And to your point, even if you had done every your video podcast, you could have always repurposed it as an audio only feed, just right. multiple formats. I know you talked the other day about taking a long form presentation and chunking it down into smaller TikTok videos or reels and then pushing this out. So just taking this repurposing and content marketing to the extreme with video. Yeah, there's a place for talking head videos, right? I think there's a place for that. And there's also a place for human beings to want to see you speaking. So if you're a speaker, if you've done any kind of that kind of work, that's actually a big time differentiator, like video footage of you speaking and cutting it up into clips. I remember going on one of the early podcast movement conferences. I was a speaker there, a couple of the early ones. And again, this is way back 2014, 2015. And some really well-known podcaster was a speaker because he had such a large podcast. He went to present on stage and I could not believe the things I was hearing about like people were like, he's a terrible speaker. He's just an awful speaker. He must have edited all of the ums and everything <laughs> out. He just couldn't communicate to a live audience. People are hungry for that. There's a reason why the president of the United States still does a state of the union in front of cameras. Like they used to do on radio. It's different, right? So I think that's one thing that human beings are never going to give up the desire to see. 
right? The desire to consume visual content. So yeah, if GPT and all these other things make written content somewhat easier and or maybe even more obsolete down the road, you've got to be in front of the camera and let people see you. Yeah. So let's pivot to brand building, already defined some of the core elements that go into it. But what should people do first when building a brand identity? Is there an order or is this just throwing stuff up against the wall and seeing what works? Yeah, there's definitely an order. And this is just how I teach it. It's my methodology. I teach this in my book and you're the brand. I'm actually doing a workshop next week and people are coming in and this is exactly where we're starting, right? So the first day, the first session is to dig into your point of view. And I actually think that we all need to understand this as experts in our own fields. You have to actually double down on your point of view. For a while, people were scared to share what they really thought about something or whatever. And it's that contrast that's going to make you stand out. I've got a black shirt on with a white wall. I stand out because I'm, there's contrast. So the first thing is a point of view. And the way I try to pull that out of people is to ask them these three questions. What pisses you off? What breaks your heart? And what's the big problem you're trying to solve? Because where most people start is in like step three, which is you're building a platform and they want to go on YouTube or on Instagram and they don't really have anything to say. They're just repeating things that other people have said and they're just making it up because they've never really thought about what their point of view is. And when you have a strong point of view, you have really good marketing because good marketing, I'll say it like this, good marketing attracts, but great marketing repels. And it pushes the people who don't agree with you out, right? No one is liked by everybody. And so you might as well just serve the people that you want to serve based on your own point of view. It's very difficult to continue building a brand and building an identity that is not in alignment with what you really believe, right? So we start there. Point of view is super important. And just be vocal about it. And yeah, you might get canceled. Yeah, okay, all these other concerns, right? There's a million ways to reach people. It's not just Instagram or whatever, but I do think having that point of view is really important. And again, ultimately that is, as you said, it's a differentiator that's so important because nobody likes beige. You want to be inspired, entertained. You want to get knowledge. You want to, again, work with somebody you trust and take action based on what they recommend. So that's all the things that make people human, that makes people connect to other people. So. I definitely think carving out what you stand for and being upfront about it can be scary. I work with a lot of doctors, so oftentimes they don't want to ruffle any feathers or go against the medical establishment. But at the same time, especially as integrative and functional medicine docs, they have an entirely different viewpoint. And I believe unless you show this to people, consumers won't know the difference. So you got to show them. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point too, and we have mutual friends in that industry as well. The people who stand out to me are the ones who are showing up consistently on video, but I'm able to learn a little bit about their backstory, right? So before I said informational content won't be as much of a differentiator, but I think what will set people apart is the inspirational content, like stuff that's more full of your own personality, your quirks, your stories. This is hilarious. The other day, I wrote an email to my list. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, 40,000 <laughs> people on this email list. And I tell them about the last first date that I had a couple months ago. 
And I'm a little bit self-deprecating when I write my emails, or right? I'm good with that. Like in, in that, my personal life, I'm rather self-deprecating, right? I know things about business and branding, but dating, I must suck, right? And I tell this story about this first date I go on, and within the first hour or so, we end up asking this weird, she asked me this weird question, like, hey, what made you swipe on my profile? Because we met each other on the internet. You know, I BS'd some answer or whatever, right? <laughs> And she goes, let me give you a piece of advice. You seem like a nice guy. If this doesn't work out, you should change your first photo on your dating profile because it's really bad. Your eyes are half open. You're not really even smiling. You have a stain on your shirt and your nipples are showing through your shirt. (laughs) And I tell this story, bro, there's no call to action, nothing. I was like, hey, if you want to see the photo, go on my Instagram, try to find it, DM it to me. And whoever does it first, I'll give you a free coaching call. Literally, I made no money off of it, right? I had so many DMs in my Instagram inbox. I had so many people send photos that they thought was the one. I got my feelings were hurt because a bunch of them sent other photos. I thought that was a nice photo. So that was hilarious. And people are having a good time with this. And I think 50 more people followed me on Instagram because there were people on my email list who weren't following my Instagram account. And I know they are waiting to hear from me later this week. They want an update. What was the photo? Who won the contest? And this is just trust. Now, that's my quirk. That's my personality. It's very different than every other marketing guy who's out there. And I'm just trying to be me. And I've had to become more comfortable oh, yeah. sharing those stories. And you mentioned like some of your clients and the people you work with might not want to ruffle feathers. They don't have to ruffle feathers. But telling a story like that, like as much as they're comfortable can build such a bond because what do we do when we all get together and hang out? Yeah. We have a drink, we have a meal and we tell funny stories about each other. We have a good time. So just recreate that in your marketing and things will sort of fall into place. Yeah. I think it's so important to share more about your own life that makes you unique and allow people to connect with different parts of your personality. It could be your pets. Again, me personally, I'm going out with friends. I'm like, okay, that's friend time. I don't want to document this and put it out there. And then I have to remind myself, maybe you need to share a little bit more about what makes you tick or what you care about. So I'm deciding to flooding the internet with French bulldog pictures. I know you have a puppy too. You have to give people something to connect with that makes you human and that provides another dimension to your brand. It can't be just information, as you said. You can't be all factual and teaching and be in this teaching mode. There's entertainment and edutainment as well that rounds things out and lets people connect with you. Yeah, I try to keep a framework of things and of ideas, a couple that I use, like, because, you know, our lot, people always say this, Uli, like, hey, how do I create content? Like, I'm going to run out of content ideas. And they're thinking about it through the lens of, I need to teach because my teaching adds value. And yes, that's true, but there are three reasons why people tune into content, education, inspiration, entertainment. So if you're just doing education all the time, if you add the other two in, you'll have a much, you'll have like a 3D picture of your, your brand. Like people will get to know a little bit about who you are. And so one thing, one thing I do to keep things fresh is to talk regularly about anything that I've changed in my life. So it might be a new habit or new practice. You and I mastermind together all the time. I won't shut up about this five-minute journal, this gratitude journal. It changed my life, right? 
or a word or phrase I've stopped using or started using. I don't use the word like ninja anymore. I just feel like it's weird. Me and being an Asian guy and talking about I'm a webinar <laughs> and marketing ninja, stuff like that, like a mindset shift of some sort. Oh, I decided to love cooking. People love before and afters and the transition. So obviously that adds novelty to what you're talking about it. People wonder what made you change? Why change? I know I follow your podcast and you're talking about how you change some of your marketing tactics. You used to do this and now you're doing more of this or you mm -hmm. missed a boat on video podcasting and how did you change it? So I always find it refreshing to get what feels like the behind the scenes, the inner workings of my Kim on where do I go next? What can I learn from my Kim that applies to my life? And I think Nick Kuzmich said it, this is always more powerful saying, here's how I did something versus here's how you should. Right. Here's how I, that's a personal, it comes from experience. It's not just information. It's also not debatable. You jumped in and you got the results and you talk about the results. Yeah, totally. And I love that framing of it. I feel like that's just how I built my brand. Like people feel like they know me. It's a little weird sometimes, but it's cool. Like they know my dog's name. They don't know my nephew's names because I don't put my nephew's names on social media, but they know I love my nephews. They know that I have a really good relationship with my mom because she's on my social media from time to time. And what's subtly happening, and we're talking about all this AI stuff, that's the one thing that AI cannot replicate. It can't live your stories for you. It can't tell your stories for you. You have to initiate telling those stories and it can help aid you in telling them. But You went back before and you're talking about trust. I remember when I was releasing my book, getting ready for book promotion, we got the copies in. I was happening. I had to be at my mother's in Virginia. I had them sent there because I was down there visiting. And I grabbed a copy. I turned on my phone camera because she doesn't like to be videoed. So sometimes you have to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. And I showed it to her and recorded her reaction. And I put that on social media. I didn't say, buy the book's come. People loved it. It was one of the most engaged pieces of content I'd ever created. And what was happening subtly there? People are like, okay, this, this guy, Mike, wrote a book. Okay, he's been talking about this book forever. Okay, I, maybe I'll buy it. Maybe I won't. But then they saw that video. And it was this tender human moment where she was really proud of me. She was like laughing at the book. She was like, oh, this is really cool. And what is happening subconsciously there in people's minds is they're like, okay, Mike wrote a book. He's an expert. He might be a nice guy. His mom likes him. He's close to his mom. Maybe I can trust this guy. He's the kind of person I want to hang out with, not just the expert I want to learn from. Yeah. I've met a lot of experts. I don't want to hang out with them. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So there's a piece in that that's really important. Now, I heard you say in the past that success is sequential and not simultaneous. So when we go back to the brand building and we talked about the three questions that we need to start out with, but what, what's happened next in this journey? Where do you take people in your framework? We've touched on that. The second piece is personal stories, right? And people think you have to have one epic story. Not really. You just have to learn to tell stories over time. I think we all do need to have stories in our mind that we can pull from, whether that's like the origin story of how you got started. I call it the three sticky stories. So like the founder story, the business story, and the customer story. And hopefully you have a story behind how you started your business. Even if mm -hmm. you're a solopreneur, there's a story behind why you got into this line of work. 
The second story is the story of the business. When did you go full-time for yourself? Or when did you open your practice? When did you open your agency? Just recently, the CEO of YouTube stepped down. And so they were showing all these videos and photos of when they started Google in her garage. So yes, there was a founder story for her, but then there's also the business origin story. And then you got customer stories and testimonials and so on and so forth. So you need all three of those, but then you can share stuff about your dog. You can share stuff about your mom seeing your book for the first time, your dating life, whatever it is, a, a new practice, a new habit, something that you've adopted. These are the things that really give you the fuel to then step three, go onto a platform like YouTube or Instagram or a podcast or TikTok. And now you actually have something to say, right? And so you do an interview, you're not stuck for what to say. I don't know that I've even really taught a lot of stuff in our conversation. I've shared a few points, but everything's, if you notice it, is stuffed with stories. Yeah, I noticed this of what you constantly do, any podcast, any meeting, you just flow things in there, how we connected, that we're both in New Jersey, that you're close to your mom. So for those listening, this is really, it's just flying a lot under the radar, but it's all intentional that it's there. And it comes across natural. It's not forced that, okay, I have to wedge this story in there. I'm reminded of one of my favorite podcasts is how it's made by Guy Ross on NPR. And he interviews these iconic founders of, let's say, the person bringing essentially Greek yogurt to America or something, or how the ladies and Cisco routers, how they founded it nearly went bankrupt. And you realize this is personal stories and business stories mixed together and this is what makes things so fascinating, stories. Yeah. Never tell a story without making a point and never make a point without telling a story. That's my general guideline. I don't always hit it, but if I have that in my mind, I know that's what contextualizes the content that I'm sharing with people. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Now, going back to branding. So there's so much noise out there, especially now with people pumping out content and everyone really tends to sound the same. How can a brand really say something that's unique? I guess the answer is have your own stories, have your own viewpoint. But I know you have five kinds of marketing voices that need to be in the system. Can we talk about that? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways that when we talk about a voice, and part of marketing and branding, especially if you're in the expert industry in any sort of way, is finding your voice. How do you talk? How do you say things? What's your tone? What's your pace? So when I think about the different kinds of voices, I've worked with a lot of different types of communicators over the years, right? I've helped them write their books. I've helped market their products, their coaching programs. And everyone says this, everyone can say the same thing, but they have their own way of saying it. So the best example that I could give is if you and I, read a script that ChatGPT spit out, right? Just a 1,000 word script. I could read it and you could read the same exact words and it will sound totally different. The energy will be totally different. You'll say it your way, I'll say it my way. You'll say it in your really cool accent and I'll say <laughs> it in my weird Jersey Korean accent or I don't know what I have. The tone of your voice is going to differentiate it, right? I've I don't know how to take this compliment, but some people say, you have a really nice voice. You have a good voice. And I'm like, what about my face? And it's, just, <laughs> it's like you have a face for radio, right? And so just like that kind of pacing, it's why authors don't always want someone else to read their audiobook version for them. It's why, they, it's why their readers want the author to read it. 
right? There are a couple of different voices that I've seen out there. In the you have the professional sounding voice, right? They're very textbook. John Maxwell was one of my clients years ago. He's very professional sounding. He doesn't joke. He doesn't right joke around too much. He's just very matter of fact. Right, the way he writes his books and the way he communicates. You can have someone who's very expressive. I jokingly call it the emoji, right? And you look on their Instagram and like half of the characters on their caption are like very visual, very bubbly, very blah, 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 right? You have people who are very sarcastic, right? It's like dry and self-deprecating. I write like that. I write like that. I'm not harsh. I'm not mean. At least I try not to be, but I'm quirky. It has a little bit of the, this Jersey sarcasm in it, right? You got the motor mouth, like the Gary Vaynerchuk or the Grant Cardone. They just, mile a minute, it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? You're just like, and so all of these voices, you get the academic. I met Robert Cialdini, who I really respect. He wrote the great book, Influence, and then Persuasion a couple of years ago. There it is. And he's actually a professor. He's legit. He's a legitimate professor. So in his writing, that book you just held up, very academic, hard to read a little bit. It's, it reads like a textbook. So that's why you go on ChatGPT and it summarizes the book for you. And you're like, okay, I need a little easier to understand. So there are those voices out there. And what I would say with the written voice, and this is, I think, important, especially with these AI tools, when I've been hired to ghostwrite a book for somebody or to write their sales copy, they say, in, they say invariably, I want someone who can write in my voice. And I say to them, I cannot write in your voice. We can agree upon a voice for your book and I can adhere to Can't write the way you would write this exactly. There's no way that I can do that. But if we can agree upon certain things stylistically or pacing wise or word choice, yes. We can do that and we'll have to partner on this. And that is, again, coming back to this whole idea of this human touch, that connection is going to be more of a differentiator as you build your brand footprint. I like how you nicely brought it back to AI. Obviously, ChatGPT is about coming to this agreement. What's the tone of voice that we're using? How do we write? What do we agree on? Specifically for building a personal brand, how do you see ChatGPT and other AI tools changing the games, how people build a personal brand? If you can travel three years into the future, I think, or even one year into the future, it may might be unpredictable already, but curious what your prediction is. So there's a couple of ways that it could go. And I think that on one hand, you will see a ton of new content being put out there. That's already happening. I just watched, I just saw this stat just earlier this week, and it was something along the lines of like the explosion of ebooks on Amazon, right? Like it's just a boom of ebooks, right, on Amazon. And you might wonder why would somebody buy an ebook on Amazon? that someone else wrote using ChatGPT when they could just go to ChatGPT and ask the same questions. It's trust. It's trust, right? That the personal brand sells the book. Then there's, I just saw this on Fox Business the other day, that there is a science fiction magazine that won't accept submissions anymore because of all these bot written stories. Like there's people are just pumping out this content. So I think... If I could look a year or three into the future, I think there's going to be this initial huge surge of written content. It's already happening, which makes the market more noisy, 
which forces people to filter even more, right? And tune out all the noise and then pick as if their brain, I wish I had one right here, was like a Lego brick. And they're like, I'm only going to listen to these six experts from now on. And I'm going to trust them to filter through all the noise that's out there. And this is why generally people listen to six or seven podcasts a week, right? The, all the stats, they don't listen to 20. They don't listen. To, they trust these six or seven, right? Every week they learn from this expert and that particular expert's friends. And I think that's going to, that's going to have an even stronger effect, right? That's going to take place in increasing intensity over the next couple of years, because with more content, Yes, we can create more content, but we can't consume more content. You and I as human beings have a limit as to what we can drink and eat and filter and consume in terms of content or anything. I think right now it's even more important for experts to build trust, to stay in front of their audience, to build alliances. This is really important. Building communities so that you can collaborate with other communities, feed each other's communities. This is why I'm big on masterminds and building networks and building relationships. If I can bring a community of 40,000 readers to you, I can bring an, a podcast that has a million downloads to you, then great. That makes me somewhat more valuable than the other person who's an expert at the same thing that I do, but doesn't have that. So even right now, like I think what technology forces people to do more than anything is like, at least in the expert industry, we're going to have to band together and build communities. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I love about you. You are really a relationship kind of person. You know, that's big on your list to build relationship with more people that you like to hang out. And I think it shows that you understand the right balance between business and life. And it's not all about business. It's about having fun in life family values. So really appreciate this about you. I'm very grateful to be in your mastermind community and benefit from you and the expert that you bring in. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing all your thoughts on ChatGPT, AI tools and personal branding. I couldn't agree more with what you said. So I'm glad you shared it from your point of view. And for everyone else, we'll see you next week. I believe mastering persuasion is one of the most essential skills in life and certainly in business because nothing ever happens without a yes. Yet we can only effectively influence other people's decisions when we truly understand how the brain makes those decisions. Once you master the decision-making formula, your message becomes ever more clear and influential. Join us next week for our newest episode of Getting to Yes and if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week.